Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The New Statesman. Hi, I'm Anoush. I'm Rachel. And I'm Freddie. And this is the New Statesman's Politics Podcast. In this episode, we'll be discussing the Privileges Committee's finding that Boris Johnson deliberately misled Parliament. I'm Anoush Shekelian, Britain editor of The New Statesman, and joining me in the studio, I have our deputy political editor, Rachel Wearmouth, and political correspondent, Freddie Haywood. We've all had our heads buried in the 50,000 words, was it 50,000 words? I think it is. Everyone's reporting 30,000, but I selected all and pasted it into oh. a Word document, and I'm pretty sure it's 50,000. Always first to yep. the story, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> Scoop of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it, it was long, and we've all kind of had our heads buried in it this morning. Freddie, you've written Morning Call on it with your yeah. initial angle on it. But for any of our listeners who haven't had to do that, lucky you, but the main things you need to know if you haven't done that is that the Privileges Committee says the former Prime Minister deliberately misled the Commons over lockdown parties at number 10. The committee would have recommended suspending Johnson from the House of Commons for 90 days. Obviously, he's leaving his seat of his own accord. The report finds he both deliberately misled MPs in the House of Commons, but it also finds him in contempt because of the way he treated the committee itself, breaching confidentiality rules by making a public statement before its conclusions were public, impugning its integrity and being complicit in the campaign of abuse and attempted intimidation of the committee. It also recommends Johnson should not get a former member's pass, which allows ex-MPs to access Parliament after they leave. So it's very strong stuff. We've all been reading it. What, what from the report stood out to both of you? Some of the detail in the second report, which is new evidence, Mm. and in particular from a a whistleblower who makes it just very clear how obvious the real breaches were. It was a whistleblower from the Downing Street press office and kind of details how the security said, make sure that you're social distancing when you leave and when the cameras are on outside outside of number 10. So it it just made it more obvious than ever that it was happening all the time and that real breaches were very obvious. And that Boris Johnson could not have known about it. Yeah. It really gave an idea of yeah. what the culture was yeah, like. Yeah, it, at it that just time. came into sharper focus, I think, yeah. of just how obvious the link was to the PM and number 10. Freddie, how about you? I don't think there was much new in the report that we didn't already know. This has been going on for so long now. We've read all the reports. We've had the Sue Gray report. We've had the Metropolitan Police. We've had media reports. So there was the, we already know what Partygate is. And I think this is basically the end, the conclusion, the one thing we were all waiting for. And it was also the thing that was hanging over Boris Johnson. It was the reason that many people thought that he didn't do as well or not as many MPs supported him in the second leadership mm. election. It's been one reason that everyone's pointed to why he can't come back. And then I think the 
really interesting point in general is the fact that he resigned. It sort of triggered his resignation from the House of Commons and then what that prevented. The sort of narrative that he's trying to create right now is basically they've there's a witch hunt going on and they've pushed me out of parliament that's not really true at all because the committee itself it can't push or suspend boris johnson what happens is the committee makes a recommendation that goes to the house of commons and the house of commons votes on it and if that suspension is over 10 days that means that it triggers the recall bill or the recall act which means that there's a recall petition in his constituency which if that happens then if 10 percent of his constituents sign it then there's a by-election and he can stand in that by-election. So So ultimately, so many chances and also so many democratic processes that it has to go through. And ultimately, it's the constituents of Uxbridge who would decide his political fate. And he chose not to do that. Yeah, 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 it's a long and complex process. But the interesting thing about this is that in one way, it's academic, right? He's resigned. So there's other than taking away his pass as, a, as an ex-MP, not, it's not a huge sanction, but it is a, it is a judgment. So it tells yeah. us how Parliament treats rule-breaking, essentially, and especially rule-breaking by a Prime Minister. Yeah. Uh, and it, the most interesting thing I thought was that the kind of the committee came down even harder because of how he behaved towards the yeah. committee. The continued contempt he seemed to, to show for their work and how they, how they expect parliamentarians to conduct themselves. So it's like a message, I think, generally to the government of the day and all other MPs who are misleading the House and therefore their constituents. Yeah, and also attacking the House's structures and their processes as well, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, it's worth remembering that the committee is part of Parliament. It's constituted by MPs and MPs hold MPs to account. Parliament is accountable to Parliament, ultimately accountable to the people, but MPs regulate themselves through committees, through votes, through suspensions. So it's not as if there's some external committee or court that's taken Boris Johnson out of Parliament and it's not undemocratic in that sense. No, it's Parliament itself regulating its members. Yeah, and this is the sovereignty of the Parliament that he wanted to protect by going through with Brexit as well. And what I found most interesting, actually, was his response, where he really, again, went in on the committee doubling down Mm. on impugning its integrity, really. But the sentences in that response that really stood out to me was, like the current PM, I believe that these events were lawful. So he's reminding people, and in the second paragraph, Mm. I and the then Chancellor Rishi Sunak, horrible sentence there from a former (laughs) columnist, were fined. So he's reminding us again and again that actually Rishi Sunak was also fined in one of those gatherings that this report and previous reports have been looking into and trying to link his now political nemesis with what was going on in number 10 at that time. And let's not forget, Rishi Sunak lived on Downing Street as well. He would probably have been aware of, of the fact that there was some of this culture going on. Yeah, the backdrop to all of this is that the COVID inquiry is still ongoing this week. Yeah. And the reason that this is all a thing at all is that so many people made such huge, profound sacrifices that you know, people in number 10 were not having to make, essentially. And it affected their lives in ways that, you know, it's hard to comprehend for some of us. But I think if you take all of that out of it and look at this as just like a political judgment by yeah. Boris Johnson, this reaction doesn't help him at all because all of the COVID process is still ongoing. We're still on, inquiry is still ongoing. It looks like so disrespectful. but And he's like burning through any political capital that he had left, right? Yeah. And yeah even, he's not able to damage anybody because he's so damaged himself, I feel. Yeah. And that's, even that's, in this that's report, the they I get say from that his yeah. if he comes forward with, because obviously he's handed over his communications to the COVID inquiry, if there are communications in there that he should have given mm. to the Pri- Privilege Committee, they've said that there, there could be even more questions to ask about 
about his conduct. Yeah, the statement is remarkable in, as you say, for its use of language. He describes it as a charade. He says, yeah. this is the final knife thrust in a protracted political assassination. So the language is extremely hard. And I think what you've seen in the past year or the past 14 months that the committee's been investigating is Boris Johnson pivot from a, a mockery and not taking it seriously to a genuine anger. He genuinely thinks, I think, that he's being chased out and he's just using that to create this or ferment this division to hopefully relitigate his legacy, basically say that I could have achieved all this, but you prevented me from doing so, rather than I failed, I was there for two years and these things happened. So mm -hmm. it's all about his legacy and it's all about creating these divisions that you think might help him down the line. At the moment, his political career is at, the, at an end for now. He's out of the common, mm -hmm. he's not even just, he's not just a former prime minister, he's a former MP. Mm -hmm. So. Whether he can muster any support, I'm not really sure. You look at the contempt with which Conservative Party MPs talk about him now. Yeah. And as we know, they are a key to any political career in the Conservative Party. It's just it's remarkable how quickly he's fallen. This is a nice little conclusion to to that remarkable two years. Yeah, it's not very edifying, is it, the way that he's going down? You mentioned some of the way things that he said in his statement. He was call, he calls it deranged, absurd, rubbish, yeah. a lie, ludicrous. But then he's also naming committee members by Quite. name, which goes into this campaign mm. of abuse and attempted intimidation yeah. that the report actually finds. He mentions Harriet Harman yeah. twice. Mm. Bernard Jenkins, he's putting around this story that he attended a birthday event for his wife during lockdown, which I think he's denied. There, there is a sort of whiff of desperation. Yeah. Yes, I think that's right. And the, the way Penny Mordaunt, the Commons leader, dealt with the question of the vote next week in the Commons uh, earlier on today, was it, she approached it with a certain level of weariness. Yeah. It was, if you want to talk about wrongs and gongs and the issue <laughs> of the hour. And I think there's a political risk in that because it's also something that there's a lot of other MPs in the Commons on both sides of the House that would probably want her to take this moment very seriously. But at the same time, I think she's careful that I think that was a communication to her backbenchers not to take this yeah. all so very seriously and not to treat. Bob Boris Johnson is such a big, big figure that's worth going to the wall and going to a rebellion over on Monday, even though it's going to be a free vote not to vote against the report. I'm glad you mentioned that, Rachel, because after the break, we'll chat about what happens next in all of this. If you're subscribed to The New Statesman, you can get all our episodes ad free on the New Statesman app. You can get it on both iOS and Android. Just search for New Statesman on the App Store or Google Play Store. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. If you enjoy the New Statesman podcast, then you'll love our daily politics newsletter, Morning Call. It's a quick, essential guide to the big political story each morning by me, Freddie Hayward and Rachel Wearmouth, featuring original reporting from Westminster and beyond, our analysis of the latest political news and some recommendations of the best reads of the day. Sign up for free at the link in the podcast description. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Rachel, you mentioned that vote that's going to be on Monday. So this is always what happens when the Privileges yeah. Committee or whatever other body suggests a sanction for an MP. It's not their choice to impose that sanction. It's up to MPs. So they get to vote on it. And I think our listeners will probably most remember the Owen Patterson debacle. This was last in contention. So what happens on Monday? There'll be a debate and a vote on Monday. So I guess those who feel strongly that Boris Johnson has been mistreated will get a chance to add their views and vote either way. Yeah, but, but 
essentially, because this is academic in a way, it's it's just the end of the process. There's nothing that they're actually because he's resigned because he took it into his own hands last week. The yeah, essentially, yeah. not much will happen. But they will be voting on whether he's access to the estate. But yeah, but not yeah. whether he'll. Which is kind of the most wounding part of it for him yeah. is that the yeah. privilege of his access to that continues. What's likely to happen then? You said it's a free vote, so MPs will be able to make up their I own minds. I think it's overwhelmingly likely that they'll yeah. back the findings of the report. I'd be su- surprised if very many actually vote. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. yeah, I think La- Labour will obviously vote for it. I think they've also said they're not going to try and to amend it. I think the government will basically try and just get it through without much debate at all. I think if we look at the last time that Boris Johnson's career was based on a House of Commons vote, it was the Northern Ireland Protocol. Uh, and he took bill. very few and people with the, him. That's and that's true. when he was, was in front of the... Rebellion, yeah, it was 22. So yeah. he was, that's when he was in front of the Privileges Committee, <laughs> left the room, went to the House of Commons to have the vote and then came back and it was only 22. And that was the moment that you realised that he'd really lost any base of support within the, the parliamentary party and I think we're going to, probably going to see the same on Monday. To be and fair, I, he probably doesn't want to come back for a while having been sitting in those <laughs> committee rooms so, so many times. And I do wonder if Boris Johnson would have been able to persuade more of his colleagues if he dealt with it in a more dignified yeah. way, in a way in which he'd been ex- of what happened and shown some yeah. remorse. But uh, yeah. he's chosen the nuclear option instead, all, which yeah. I think has probably turned more people against him. It's yeah. extremely graceless, the whole thing. Yeah. And what happens actually with the very small mutiny over this? So you had Nadine Doris and Nigel Adams, two uh, allies, Boris Johnson loyalists, saying that they would give up their seats as mm. well. Nadine Doris hasn't quite resigned yet, as far as I understand it. And Nigel Adams actually said, I do support the Conservative Party. I want them to win the next election yeah. in a fairly conciliatory statement that he put out on LinkedIn which shows that he's looking for another job probably afterwards (laughs) looking for some new professional connections but yeah what happens now Schrodinger's resignation yeah Yeah, Adams and Johnson are both former MPs now they have technically resigned Nadine Doris hasn't she said she would do so immediately and now she's wavering on that or at least delaying it I think one of the suggestions is that she's trying to delay the by-election to the autumn perhaps uh, because it takes about three weeks for once you properly resign to organise the election and we've got the House of Commons recess coming up at the end of July so if she doesn't do it very soon I think within the next week or so next 10 days then it's likely that it'll be in the autumn and that means it's around party conference time we're getting ever closer to the general election and the whole point is that you just torture Rishi Sunak as much as possible. Prolong the pain, yeah, yeah. because we should explain that by-elections, although sometimes they do turn out funny results, mm-hmm. they are very important in terms of political narrative. If they happen before a party conference, then the question on a lot of MPs' lips could be, can this, can our leader really lead us yeah. into another election if we lose? Yeah, yeah, so is doubt amongst your yeah. activists and your MP. But again, I think Nadine's, Nadine Dory's approach is one that will unite most of the party behind Rishi Sunak, as opposed to rally the troops behind them because they're not the power holders anymore. Yeah, I would agree with most of what's said, basically. We'll get into party conferences and Nadine obviously wants to inflict as much damage as possible. Yeah, Yeah. and so that gets us on to something that we talked about a bit last time, Rachel, when you and I were chatting, when all of this news was breaking. Is ultimately this whole scandal over Boris Johnson resulting in this quite explosive report and him leaving Parliament, is it in the long run good for Rishi Sunak or bad? I think at the moment it seems good, but that's because none of the by-elections have yet been held. Um, And I think once the results of the by-election are known, and regardless of whether the Conservatives are able to hang on to all of them, there's going to be... It'll be known just the loss of the level of support in seats that are parliamentary seats, which are 
more instructive about the general election than perhaps some of the local elections would be. Yeah, it may seem good on the surface at the moment, but it's going to be a very long summer for the Prime Minister, I think. Yeah, it's interesting how that question has changed, because I think when Rishi first came in, any mention of Partygate was actually quite helpful, because it reminded people that Boris Johnson was always riddled with scandal, and this is what the alternative is. As Rishi Sunak got a grip on the Conservative Party and secured his position, I think it's become more of a distraction now. It reminds voters that he was part of Boris Johnson's administration, it makes the Conservative Party look disunified. It means that the headlines are always about Boris Johnson and Partygate, two things that are extremely unpopular, rather than Rishi Sunak's five priorities, which is what he wants to speak about. So I think in general, yes, it's it's very bad for Rishi Sunak. He wants to move on from these things and Rishi Sunak is running out of time. So we finally have some disagreement. On <laughs> I do think it's interesting how much of a distraction something like this can be, even if yeah. it does create that contrast in voters' minds between careful, quiet Rishi Sunak and chaotic Boris Johnson. Because you even saw at PMQs yesterday these questions from... Tory London MPs in outer London seats mentioning Euler's mentioning a potential police station closure mm. in Uxbridge, trying to get these clips out there that could possibly put doubt in voters' minds over mm. the Uxbridge and South Ryslip by election, which Labour ought to take in terms of polling for a while, have said that the Conservatives are going to lose that seat. So you already have this manoeuvring already. It's just a real headache, isn't it? It just it, all political energy goes into that rather than trying and, to get and, your policies and done. money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, indeed. But I think if there isn't a, an opportunity for Boris Johnson now, it's to, to make out that the punishment is, goes above and beyond anything that he might have expected. That's one possible window that, that he may try to argue is a 90-day suspension fair, is, is having right. his pa- past taken from him fair, as opposed to having already lost his job. So if he can install a sort of victim narrative, that may work for him in that. That might be something that is more successful after a by-election loss, mm. when you can point to a Prime Minister who's able to say, I was a winner. Yeah. I look at the 2019 result and look at where you are now, Rishi Sunak. That's a potential window of opportunity for Boris Johnson, but otherwise I just think it's going to be a long and difficult summer and a very potentially a very difficult conference at the end for him, for the Prime Minister. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to submit a question for us to discuss on a future podcast, you can do so at newstatesman.com forward slash you ask us or leave us a YouTube comment. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Anusha Kellyan, Freddie Haywood and Rachel Wearmouth. We'll be back tomorrow to answer your questions in You Ask Us. Follow us on your podcast app to make sure you get new episodes as soon as they're released. You can also watch video from this podcast on our YouTube channel. Just search YouTube for The New Statesman. We're produced by Adrian Bradley. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.